podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Nina Casa Show. My God, that was um, a, quite a pleasant viewing, quite an easy watch, um, you know, quite relaxed. Um, of course, we are here with the post-match show. We are discussing Bournemouth nil, Liverpool 3, a clean sheet. Oh my God, I thought it was a glitch in the matrix, but hopefully it's a thing now that we carry on doing. Clean sheet. A fair few goals, lots of substitutions, a lot of, ch- I mean, not a lot of substitutions, a lot of changes in the starting 11. Happy days indeed being a red. And joining me on this podcast, I have two awesome guests for you. So without further ado, let me introduce you to them. First up, it is the host of the Res Review podcast. He's going to have a Champions League podcast out soon too. He's also the co-host of the wrestling podcast. He's a writer on AI as well. Does he really need an introduction? I'm going to give him one anyway. He's awesome. Naby Keita had a great game. He can't whinge about Liverpool doing that whole Fergie time thing where we get goals and that, ah, look, we'll come undone. He can't discuss that today. It is Andy Wales. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nina. No, <laughs> nothing to mourn about. It, that really today was basically Albert and Ethel went out for a nice Sunday drive. <laughs> it, it was It was wonderful. Absolutely, I'm just so glad that you know you you know you, you you've not had the panic attacks. You've not been drinking like a madman. And joining Andy, um, I bet his Apple Watch was telling him that you you're too relaxed, you're too chilled. Maybe you should go for a jog. It is all round contributor on AI and the Nina Casa show, and he's a writer on AI as well. It is the wonderful, the hilarious Sam Evans. Sam. How's the heart rate? Really good. The, the, the watch doesn't think I'm even wearing it. It's it's unbelievable. I think that's exactly what we needed today, to be fair, wasn't it? Before uh, the, the game coming up on Tuesday, obviously a massive game. Okay, and you know that's going to be a basketball game, right? Uh, well, it, exa- this, is it. this is exactly what I was hoping for. Get the clean sheet in the bag. Give us a bit of confidence in our defence now before that game because we know Salzburg can really attack really well. And also, so, you know, get get three goals as well. So brilliant, yes, mate. Does your watch speak? It does. It does. It sometimes it just <laughs> shouts at me. Does so it call you Sam? It does. Yeah, it actually gets my name right, Nina. No, it calls him Steve. <laughs> <laughs> today, today it'll have been like Sam. Liverpool are playing, bro. You still alive? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it thought I was sleeping through the game. I'm usually stressed out to hell watching the bloody thing, but. Uh, Oh, it was a it was a walk in the park today, but you know, you got got to feel for Bournemouth slightly. Obviously, they got a lot of injuries and things, um, but you know, we it was just so so comfortable and and another chance to rotate the players as well. So perfect, perfect, and stop hogging my show, okay, okay. Good. Right. Okay. Right. We have some callers. So you know what? We're going to go to our first one. He was a guest on the previous one. He learned a new word, fancy cow. Um. I don't know how he took it, but it is Adi. Adi, welcome back. Thank you, Nina. Uh, 
that was comfortable yes uh right so my question i i'm so glad i'm first because i know that everyone wants to talk about nabi uh my question is about him and about what what did he do differently to you know the the rest that we have in midfield i mean uh it was obvious that we were we, we were getting forward a lot more from midfield i mean it could have been a product of bomak being shit but uh just just talk about nabi and uh the impact that he had today which was really positive for sure absolutely um uh, what an absolutely wonderful game he had and andy i'm going to start with you because obviously bundesliga boy and all that you were actually quite you know excited to be speaking about nabi keita and nabi keita has a really good performance my god let's just talk about him uh talk to me about his performance i felt like from the from the midfield three he was probably the most i thought henson had a really good game as well but he kind of added that whole dribbling aspect you know he got a fucking goal which was amazing so last set him up nicely and then that assist as well i think he just kind of demonstrated to the world his vision his passing his pressing his alertness but please elaborate hey it was it was an absolute joy today i, I was so pleased to see him start the game and and i think in fairness we do we do have to say that look yeah bournemouth they they were poor they they looked short on confidence and we just seem to do well against um, Eddie Howe lately. I mean, can, can we not play Eddie Howe teams every week? Because then it really would be comfortable and we, we could be celebrating the league by the end of March. But Naby today, uh, he just ran the game. As simple as that for me, he ran the, great, uh, ran the game. Uh, progressive in possession, played with some real intent and, and for me, added that control that we've been lacking in recent matches, you know, all too many of these 2-1 games where we've been on the edge of our seat, we've made it a little more difficult than we needed to. Certainly the last sort of 20, 25 minutes of games when we're giving the ball away and we're sinking deeper and we're, we're inviting teams to have a bit of um, pressure against us. I think he just kept, he kept the game in Bournemouth's half of the pitch and all throughout it, though, he was fought into different areas. Whenever we had the ball, he always seemed to be available for a pass. His movement off the ball was, was superb. And as soon as he gets it, the, the intention straight away is how can we progress this? How can we progress the play? And we he just kept it and used it really, really smartly. And as you said, though, he's not afraid to, to, take, a, to take someone on to turn, dribble, go at people. And one really, really encouraging thing for me in the second half was his turn of pace, because I, there, was, there was a game um, a few weeks ago when he didn't, he didn't look like he had that same sort of yard of pace about him off the ball. Uh, but today it seemed to be back, so maybe it was just about him getting that sharpness and the fitness back after you know, the niggles and the injuries and the layoffs that he's had. But uh, it, it, was, it was just a tremendous performance today. Like I said, just just totally ran the game, and and it was it was a joy, an absolute joy to watch. And, and I think, in fairness, as you mentioned, Henderson had a good game as well, but Navigator made it so easy for so many players around him because he was always there, he was always in space, always available to receive the ball. So I, I think it just not only was it you know a great performance from him personally, but I think what he helped to enable was other people to be involved in the game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Sam, I'm going to come to you. I think Andy's made some very, very good points there. And I like the fact that he kind of highlighted the fact that, you know, in, in 
in the first half, certainly before um, Aki got um, subbed off because he was injured, you know, it was quite um, a frustrating uh, kind of, Liverpool looked quite disjointed in that little period because it was almost like so many changes and the way they were set up as well, they were kind of set up to not concede rather than, you know, play the attractive football that, you know, and all that good stuff. And even then, he was still trying to create pockets of space. And then, obviously, with that substitution, I felt like as the game progressed, we looked more and more and more comfortable. They literally did absolutely nothing, but he just had more and more space to kind of operate in the midfield. And you kind of saw him kind of linking up ever so nicely with with the attack, which is something that we've kind of been crying and screaming for from, from last season. I mean, talk to me about Naby Keita. What impressed you about him today? Yeah, in, in the first 10 minutes of the game, you could see straight away that we were we were in for a comfortable match. You know, we didn't actually create anything, but Keita was getting a lot of the ball, as you said. And he, he just does very simple things to do with timing. And he, he slows the ball down a second to just draw the man in and then he plays the pass. And he, he's just a very intelligent midfielder. Uh, funny enough, me and Andy were talking about him yesterday in the... Champions League preview pod, which isn't even out yet, so spoiler alert. But, Tomorrow um, morning, hopefully. Yeah, uh, so we, we did touch on him, actually, because of what happened with Shakiri, how he's just chucked him in out of the blue against Everton and given him 90 minutes. We were puzzling whether he might do the same thing with Keita for the Salzburg game. Uh, he's actually ended up doing it for this game, and it, you know, it's clear to see he's been working his socks off in training. He He's just flown into this game today, and you know, a goal and assist, what a performance. Absolutely. So, you guys, um, before we go to Adi and let, let's get his contribution on, on Naby Keita, do you think, you know, I think right now it's such a busy period for the Reds. I just want to go around the table really quickly. Do you think he's going to start against Salzburg or do you think Klopp's going to manage the minutes like he has done before? No. I'm talking to the panel. Go away. <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to hog your pod, though, Nina. So let's let Andy go first, shall we? Uh... Oh, <laughs> That's it. Slap her back is best. <laughs> Fine, all of you talk. Actually, you know what? I want all your contributions. So, Andy, I'll come to you first. Dad and Sam, I want to hear your thoughts. Right. Well. I mean, Jenny, obviously, Jenny missing today with a knock. You'd expect Jenny to come back in provided everything's okay. Yeah. Um, I think Ox, having started today, won't start midweek. Uh, Milner started two games in a row, so it's tough to see him starting again. Henderson, you'd expect to be in there. So I think just from the numbers, I think we are looking at... Um, the the safe midfield that he goes with. Yeah. We are looking at Naby in there again. And, and I think uh, not only that, but I think the narrative and the personal side of it is his history with Salzburg. I think it's um, I think it's a good inclusion. And today was almost like a warm-up for him. Mm, OK, I actually thought you were going to say with Henderson, he'll start. Ginny, if he recovers from his knock, he plays. And uh, OK, I, I thought you were going to go with him. Um, Maybe an Oxley Chamberlain, but I, I like that. I like the I like the Salzburg link. Uh, Sam, I actually, guys, I'll come to you now because you were the first one to speak. He's not played for so long that I don't think he'll play him twice in four days. Okay, so who do I you think, think goes in midfield? I don't know, but Naby comes back in Watford, I reckon. And then they're off for, for Qatar, where I reckon he'll play one of the games there as well. So 
I just think he'll play one a week going going forward. Um, Ox, who went off early, I just don't know what he does in midfield, man. I think you might have to. We might see Lalana, you know, and it's going to be. I reckon if we see Lalana, we're going to get. Shafted. You can't play Lalana in a must not lose game. I know, but this is Jurgen Klopp. who thinks that the the rotation's working right now, so he'll probably play Ginny, Hendo, and Lalana or something like that in um in in Salzburg. And I actually think that we'll probably be in Europa if that happens. Oh, yeah, but Alana twisted his hair gel, didn't he? So he, he, that's why he was missing the day. Yeah, whilst doing a Cruyff turn, was it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, otherwise he's got to take a risk with one of the one of the two, one of the other two to come in. It's quite threadbare, eh? When you look at it like that, I mean, I, unless he plays Ox for forty-five k to for forty-five, I don't know how he's going to do it. Yeah, that that's it's actually a good chat. What about Fabinho you? Fabinho going out just hurt so much, man. It does, it does, it really does. Because when you know what, I can. Comp- it's just, it's just, it's just a head fuck. I, I, yeah. Um, or Shaq in midfield, anyone? Hmm. No, I don't. Think do, so. do you think he changes up the formation? And then, do you think he's going to play a four-two-four-two-three-one? I don't see it. I. I really don't see. I understand the rationale, and and I think there's a lot in there. What Gags is saying, that's why I don't think Ox will uh, will start. But I, I just think um, I don't know. I just have this feeling that that he will be in there for this game, and then there's the opportunity then after that game to wait, and he'll play again once we're in Qatar. Oh, okay, Sam. You've you've heard what the lads have said. You can gather your thoughts now. You can hug the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, um, if Fabinho hadn't had that injury, I think it was a shoe win that it would have been the easy know, for, option. Yeah, Fabinho, Henderson, Wijnaldum, I think would have been a, a shoe win for this game. It's so important that we go through. I think he'd have gone to the the tried and tested uh, tried and tested boys for this one. Um, with him out, as Gag said, it we haven't got anyone else that does the job in the same way as he does. Um, so. I, a bit of it's funny we've got me and Andy on this now when we've just been talking about uh, it on the preview pod uh, yesterday. But um, yeah, I think Wijnaldum in the deeper role would be my option uh, based on his performance against Everton, especially. I thought he was fantastic there, and it gives Henderson the chance to kind of play uh, the passes like he was today again um, against them. It's that third option that that's a tricky one to say, as you said. Uh, you know, Milner's played a bit of football now. Keita hadn't played for ages and then plays uh, the, the full game today. Uh, and Oxley chamberlains obviously had a lot of his injury issues as well. So it's tricky to say. Um, Klopp keeps us guessing at the moment, doesn't he? And he's he's got, he's pre-planned a lot of this. So he seems to be kind of planning different teams for like a three-game stint and, and, and just plays a different squad almost. So, you know, if I had to guess... I'd probably say maybe Oxley Chamberlain gets the nod because he's had a bit more momentum. But you know, to be honest with you, it, as as Gag said, you never know. He might give Shaq a go there because I thought he was absolutely excellent against Everton. So whoever's going to be in there, even if it's Lalana, honestly, no, Gags. I don't think we need to be that negative. I thought he played a decent game against Everton, even though he did kind of make a couple of mistakes. Think um, it, think, I, it, think you're underestimating Salzburg a little bit at home. They're such a basketball team. In the comparison to Everton, who are absolutely shite. No, no. You know I, I, mean? I know Salzburg are a bloody great side going forward, especially. I'm not expecting it to be a walk in the park. But what I'm basically saying is I, I trust Klopp at the moment. He's, he's making fantastic decision every week um, with the squad rotation. So... 
whatever he ends up doing, I'm not going to be panicking. You, you should have heard people inside Anfield before the Everton game going nuts with that starting lineup. It was mm. hilarious. Everyone was swearing and saying he doesn't want to win and all this. And then we come up five to winners. So whatever happens, I'm not going to be panicking and just, you know, wait to see what happens. For sure, for sure. It'll be very interesting. Right, Adi, I'm going to come back to you. you. I want to get your thoughts on what you made of Navigator and also a little bit of insight into how do you think, you know, Navigator's features panned out now with this game against Salzburg? Uh, okay, first of all, I think it's it's big for the midfield, especially without Fabinho, that Nabi's there because uh, both Hendo, uh, Gini, they're not as much vertical passes as Nabi is. I don't think uh, the, the through ball that Nabi played uh, for Salah to score today, I don't think Kendo or Genie does that. Uh, so so it's it's hugely important that without Fabinho, we have someone to progress from midfield and, and Nabi did that brilliantly today. Uh, honestly, I think we might go 4-2-3-1 against mm-hmm. Salzburg with Firmino in the 10, Salah up front and Shakiri on the right. Uh, just because, uh, as we as Gags has touched upon, uh, I don't think he's going to risk uh, Nabi and Ox, especially with Fabinho injured. We can't have another injury in midfield. Uh, we've got the Qatar trip as well, so I think he might go four two three one and uh, just just let Hendo and Genie sit in the four uh, to do their thing up front. Nice. Okay. Well, um, Adi, thank you so much for your call. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be on again. Always a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for kicking things off on the Nina Kalsa show. Okay, so that was Adi speaking about Nabi Keita. Uh, you know, if anyone's listened to the podcast, tweet us, let us know your thoughts. How do you think Klopp will sort of um, line up? How do you see us shaping up against Salzburg? Um, up next, we are joined by another familiar voice on the Nina Kalsa show. It is Yona. Yona, how are you? Hey, what's up, Nina? I'm doing great. Nice little... You know what? I love hearing from you, Yona, because when we're really stressed out and we've had a book-clenching game, you sound really chill. You sound so chill, and today you sound really excited. Yeah, because I was trying to (laughs) change it up for you guys. I love it. I love it. Well, you know what, Yona? The floor is yours. Talk to me. um, Tell me how you feel about that result and uh, if you've got any questions, fire away. Uh, that was a really good game, especially without Mane, who's been our best player, I think, since the start of the season. So we proved we don't essentially need him to win. Also, first comfortable win in, what, uh, 13 games? Yep, that was sound. Uh, yeah, our centre-back situation, though, it's kind of kind of terrible. Now that without Lovren as well. Uh, my, my question is, do you think maybe more of the young lads should should be given a chance like uh, Curtis Jones today? He was, he was actually pretty, pretty all right, I think. Yeah. No, thank you so much. Um, it's a wonderful question. And Andy, I'm going to come to you first. I mean, it's so nice when you're so comfortable that you can actually throw on a local 18-year-old lad. No pressure. 
shackles off, just go out and play some football. And he actually had a pretty decent game. And of course, these young lads have been showing themselves in very, really good glory in, in the league cup, you know, against the likes of Arsenal, you know, who, you know, like Elliot, I thought had a really good game. Curtis Jones came on and changed things up there. I mean, do you realistically think that Klopp might play them against the likes of Watford and stuff? I mean, do you, do you potentially think that they have a future or do you think they are more going to be used when Liverpool looks so comfortable that then they get thrown in? Because I think that's the sensible way of doing things because in the past, we have put a lot of pressure on some of our youngsters and I'm thinking of Raheem Sterling, for example. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think, look, first things first, yeah, it was really good to see Curtis Jones make his Premier League debut. Uh, he was superb against Arsenal, absolutely phenomenal, fantastic performance. Made everyone take up this, uh, sit up and take note of him. Uh, just brilliant. And so it was, it was nice to see him get on the pitch and him to look confident and assured. And he, and he did not look out of place. So that's an important thing. He did not look out of place amongst them players. And and it was it was really good management by Klopp. It was a perfect situation, comfortable game, comfortable uh, scoreline, ideal opportunity for him to get some minutes, get on the pitch, get amongst it. He's got that bit of experience now. But I, I don't think we'll see him much, unless there's um, an injury crisis, I don't expect to see him too often, unless, as you mentioned, you know we're, we're in games like this where we're, we're playing teams and we're comfortable Goal line's going well, and it's it's again it's the chance to give someone twenty minutes rest and get him on the pitch and build that experience ready for for hopefully being maybe getting more involvement next season. But uh, it was very very encouraging, very pleasing to see him. But um, I I personally wouldn't expect to see too many minutes from him this season. Yeah, I mean, if they're trying to win a title as well, that is immense pressure to put on the kids. Sam, I want to get your thoughts as well. I think we'll probably see a lot of the kids and I think maybe the FA Cup and things. I want to get your thoughts. I mean, how would you deal with minute management with some of these kids? Because, you know, there is a lot of young potential talent there. You know what? I love how you always seem to get Yona on the pod when I'm on because Yona is basically the exact opposite of me as a person. <laughs> like, I, I'm on the edge of my seat my heart beating on my chest, counting the minutes down to the end of the game, and I can just picture Yona at home, feet up, smoking a cigar, just watching the game. Going, <laughs> it's all, it's all going to be all right, guys. It's all going to be all right. So, yeah, I think it's just you bringing Yona on just to counterbalance my... He's a mentality monster. That's yes. what he is. <laughs> to counterbalance my anxiety. So that's a good I idea. Wish. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, re- regards to the, the youngsters... Um. Yeah, couldn't agree more with Andy than uh, you know with what he said there about him. He's he's a real talent, and I think he's he's really blossomed over the last year. You've noticed a bit of a difference in him. He's got a bit of a swagger about him. Um, I've seen bits and bobs of him playing for the youth teams, and he does really kind of strut around and 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 show his superiority. And he looks like someone who's very confident in his ability and that's someone ideal for this Liverpool side. So, you know, I'm looking forward to see a bit of him now over the forthcoming games. Uh, you know, he, he's going to get his chances now with this hectic uh, schedule, obviously. Um, uh, Yona also touched on um, 
the, uh, a defensive crisis. Yes, um, and I'm actually going to come to you on that because Steve Pizza actually typed in a question as well, which I was going to tie it in quite nicely. Um, Steve Pizza says um, he can't join us today, but he'd like to get um, the panel's thoughts on the centre-back coverage and rotation going forward. Um, have a great weekend, everyone. You too, Steve Pizza. And of course, Jonas talking about Lovren's injury then. Gomez obviously having to go into centre-back with Matip out. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, well, basically, I'd like to apologise for my comments on the pod yesterday, which will be out tomorrow, as you said. You'll you'll get to see me saying that um, Lovren basically was in the red zone, uh, saying like he, he needs a break very soon. I know um, Simon Brundish has been saying about this a lot, where his maximum, the highest ever games he's had in a row was something like seven or eight in a row before he's then got an injury or something. So I was expecting him to be maybe rested for this game or for the Salzburg game because he was basically getting up to the point where he was doing injury and then you see him come off. But to be fair, he played on for a bit, you know, when they were preparing the substitution. So hopefully it's nothing too serious. Maybe they just told him, you know, if you feel anything, come off as a precaution. Uh, but, you know, I'm not I'm not panicking too much. I'm, I'm slightly worried about Matip because we haven't heard anything about it whatsoever. You know, it sounded like a two-week injury. And what, are we eight weeks in now? I don't know. It feels like this has been going on a lot longer. And, you know, they, they, they do tend to play down injuries sometimes and keep it quiet when it's something more serious. So hopefully it's not going to be that long. But for me, I've been desperate to get Gomez in the centre-back. I, I think he's wasted at right-back and it actually puts him under a lot of pressure and he makes a lot of mistakes in opposition. So I'm looking at it as a, as a positive and looking at, at it as a chance for Gomez now to finally get some minutes in centre-back and see if he can win that shirt back. Absolutely. I mean, it was kind of horrible the way he was kind of out of favour there, you know, where he looked so promising last season, Andy. And then, of course, he gets that cruel injury and then um, Lovren comes in for a little while and he gets injured and then we rely on Joel Matip. So so talk to me about the centre-back injury crisis because it is a bit of a worry. Somebody actually commented that it was Umbilical Boy on um, on my um, post-match, um, uh, sorry, not my post-match, my review for the Bournemouth video on uh, on Instagram, and he says, when does Lovren get a break? And the sad reality is, is he doesn't get a break. Yeah, th- I guess this is the thing, isn't it? And it's a historic uh, issue that with Lovren. As, as Sam mentioned, you know, from as Simon Brundish had, had pointed out last season, that Lovren had never made more than seven consecutive starts. And then when he did make that eighth consecutive start, he limped off injured early in the game, and and this is the thing, you know, it, it's not just his the issues that we've had throughout his Liverpool career with his actual defending, but also his brittleness. This, you know, the this thingy, the habit that he has of uh, of picking up injuries quite frequently, and not necessarily serious ones, but the, these kind of things kind of throw you. And and this is it. That we're we're now down to four senior defenders. Um, so it's not just that. We've only got the two centre backs at the moment. It's when you look at the cover for full backs, well, Joe Gomez was a cover full for right full back. So we've only really got James Milner, a midfielder, <clears throat> who is our current cover at either of the full back positions. Do you think Klopp needs to invest? Yona's just come into the chat box there saying, Do you think we need to buy centre backs? A uh, centre back. Um, for me, it, it all depends. The, the club will know best on this. It all depends on what the injury is with Lovren. It might be something just very, very minor. He just felt something. 
and as a precaution they've made sure by taking him off he might mm. maybe miss a week two weeks at the most and then he's back in it Matip we just don't know this is a thing who knows with Matip he could be back in a few weeks time in which case you know if we go into January and we've got four centre-backs again then we're back to where we were at the start of the season so the then the obvious answer would be no we're very unlikely and probably not a great need to go out and invest in January but I, I think I think really it's it's a case of when we get to the summer that that's going to be the next uh, area of the pitch that we look to address and and deepen the squad is you know getting another fullback in and it probably be the case of then getting a younger centre back in that like a lot of the players that we've been buying recently seem to be very physically robust. Uh, you know Virgil's playing every single game and and you know how long can that continue? Otherwise, do we, you know, then we're looking at uh, Hoover and and uh, the other lad whose name escapes me, the, the young uh, Dutch uh, centre-back. Van der Beek, the is it? Van der Beek? Van den Berg. Uh, Van Sorry, Berg, I was... Oh, shit, I was yeah, mouthed up. <laughs> <laughs> I was really Van der Beek. Yeah, as as promising as those player, guys yeah. are... Yeah. yeah as, as There's more of attraction there. If I, if I talk, it'll happen. <laughs> you wish. Um, yeah, look, as as promising as those two uh, young lads are, it's a lot, just like with Curtis Jones, it's a lot of pressure on young shoulders and a lot of expectation for them to suddenly be thrust into a team that are challenging for the league and can't afford to be making um, mistakes and giving goals away. So I, I guess the whole thing is going to rest upon just how serious the Lovren injury is. And and the Matty one as well, but I wouldn't expect us to be going to sign anyone in January as uh, to to cover things. No, for sure. And I like the fact that you kind of highlighted how quickly we were to react to Lovren there because I didn't notice him pull up as well. You know, I was like, why are they taking Lovren off? He looks okay, um, but obviously he's obviously pulled something there. Yona, I'm going to come back to you. The panel have answered your question. Let you have the final say. Um, what what do you make of what the panel have kind of discussed there? Uh, first of all, in the centre back departure, uh, like if all uh, centre backs are really, uh, really fit, then we really don't need to go ahead and buy someone. But we do have this long term uh, injury that Matip has probably, uh, and don't know what what about Lovren. Uh, I I just like to see Gomez more, but I, I honestly don't know why Klopp uh, didn't uh, give him the chances mm. like last year, actually. But, uh, yeah, Ho- hopefully we can, you know, get, get better in that departure. For sure, absolutely. Well, Yona, thank you so much for your call and your thank contribution. You so Always a pleasure. Take care. Okay, so that was our very own mentality monster, Yona, there. Joining us next is uh, the Tasmanian devil of AI Pro. It is Del. Del, welcome back. Hey, how you doing? You right? We're good. We're good. The floor is yours. You are joined by Sam Evans and Andy Wales. Yeah, hey, how you guys doing? You right? Um, awesome. 
Yeah, uh, just a quick thing is uh, I'm going to keep it short, sweet and simple, uh, as I usually do. But I'm telling you this, yeah, we're now in December. We are going to go the whole season unbeaten. And we're going to do the trouble as well. So we're going to fuck Man United's record and we're going to fuck Arsenal's record as well. And we're, we're going to get over 100 points. We're, and we're going to fuck City's record. <laughs> The, ma- the oracle from the Matrix has spoken, people. <laughs> That's a lot of fucks. I know. Yeah, all of you, all of you, um, your safety. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I love the positivity. Well, Dal, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for calling. Um, Sam, I'll, I'll come to you. Um, uh, this Liverpool team, it, it's, it's a strange one in, in a really, really good sense because they never give up. I know today was easy, but they actually never give up. So let's kind of focus on today's game. Somebody actually typed in here, actually. Let me go to this. Jeremy, are we actually rooting for United today? That feels odd. I'll be honest with you, my mum's a United fan. She has been so disappointed, so broken. Um, I am actually rooting for them on a on a tactical sense. It's like Eurovision, this, isn't it? We're tactically supporting teams. Guys, are you, are you rooting for United as well, Sam? Are you? Of course I am. Uh, you know, I, at the end of the day, Man City are the only team in this league that can put together... Apart from us, they can put together a twenty-game winning streak. Um, so for the you know where they're the ones that can stop us win this league. Obviously, Leicester have been very impressive, but you'd think that they will tail off at some point, a bit like Chelsea have. So uh, yeah, absolutely, Man United aren't a threat whatsoever this season. So I'm happy for them to win this game and to help us try and win the league. You know that, that's all that matters at the moment. Absolutely, Andy, are you with us on that one? Um, I, I can't root for United, so instead I'm going to root for City dropping points and City losing. <laughs> That's oh. how I live with myself. Are you a politician uh, by any chance, Andy? Am I what, sorry? A, a politician. politician by any chance. <laughs> That's how I live with myself. I can't tell myself that I'm going to root for United, so instead I'm going to root for City losing. That sounds better, doesn't it? Well, well worded. You might be a salesman, actually. Maybe that makes more sense. <laughs> A new career for me. Absolutely a new career, right? Well, that was Del. Thank you so much for that, Del. Now, let's carry on talking about the game. Um, let me kind of rewind it back a little. Let's talk about um, the, the changes that were made just quick time. I mean, Sam, I'll, I'll come to you first on this one. Were you shocked to see, like, seven changes from the Everton game? Um, you know, Jurgen Klopp, he, he absolutely has me in stitches because sometimes he just won't rotate, will not rotate, sticks with the same. And he kind of reminds me of um, a serial kind of fitness person where we kind of look after our bodies all week and then we have that cheat meal and we absolutely let it all go. And that's what he does sometimes and he's done it again. I mean, seven changes. I mean, that that could have been quite disruptive and unharmonious, you know? Wasn't, but it could have been. Do you want me to go? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, she didn't say, did she, Hugh? That's what she forgot. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear it, and I didn't hear the name Steve either, so uh, I thought it can't be me. Uh, yeah, I think, to be honest with you, because the games are coming so thick and fast, 
you can almost afford to make that many changes and you've you've still got a little bit of momentum because the, the, the same players could have played within seven days, but you just rotated the team three days before. So um, I, I think Klopp's, he's been slowly tweaking the way he does things since he's come to the club. And I think last season showed that he's he's really mastered it now. Um, you know, at the start of the season, a lot of us were worried that we didn't quite have a strong enough squad. We can all easily pick holes in the squad if we wanted to. Um, Centre-back being an obvious one with the history of injuries with Lovren, Matip and even Gomez to an extent. Um, you know, the, And midfield, obviously, Fabinho injured. We haven't got the likes of him coming in either. But Klopp obviously puts a lot of importance on kind of team... Um, unity and and a small squad, I think, is something that he prefers. And I think now he's kind of mastered the art of getting every, keeping everyone happy, keeping everyone harmonious, and actually keeping everyone playing well. So, yeah. But to be honest with you, I think lots of games actually suits us because the amount of times that we've had a long break, like the international break, for instance, and we come back and we we don't really perform. So for me, I think game after game after game kind of suits this Liverpool team. Mm. What about you, Andy? It kind of, for me, it, you know, at first you kind of look at seven changes and then you kind of look at this Bournemouth team as well. And then you look at their previous record against Liverpool. I think they lost 4-0 last season, same previous season. We're kind of forgetting about, you know, that that bullshit result that we had against them where we threw it away. You know, it's a pretty much easy point. So I think Sam alluded to that earlier on in the podcast, but it kind of says to me as well, like, so, you know, the players that are coming in, like, they're on par. You know, the, you look at Liverpool's bench now and it's actually quite pleasing to see a quite a strong bench. And when these players are actually afforded the chance to actually play, I feel like they've done pretty well. I know the opposition isn't much to write home about, but you can only play the team that's in front of you, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm, I'll look, I didn't expect to see seven changes. I thought we'd get four or five for a set. I mean, Alisson was an obvious one to start with. And and then you look at the, you know, like the front three that he picked against Everton, you knew he wasn't going to go with that again. So, I mean, we were to expect some changes, probably not seven. I must admit, when I saw Trent on the bench, I was I was a little concerned. And with Ox playing in the front three rather than the midfield as well, you kind of worry that, uh, you know, are we going to just try and cross it into oblivion and, you know, and they just sit there and, you know, we get a bit frustrated and, and it ends up being one of them matches. But, but yeah, Bournemouth were poor. And like we said, you know, Naby Keita was fantastic. Uh, and Mo Salah had a really, really impressive game as well today. Mm. I thought he was he was very very lively. Um, he, he totally deserved his goal. He was linking up nicely with Naby. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the play seemed to be down that side of the pitch as well. So it was rather than Gomez, uh, you know, replicating or trying to replicate what Trent offers the team. We we just did something slightly different. So maybe that was part of it as well. We we you know we came with something that was a little bit different from what Bournemouth uh, Bournemouth would have you know, probably set themselves up ready to defend against. So perhaps that's that's in mind for, for Klopp. But then again, you think of that game against Everton. I mean, Simon Brundish put out a fantastic tweet before the game with all the, you know, the goal involvements for, for players, you know, for our front three against Everton. And, and Mo and Bobby, their goal involvement against Everton is not that great. But then you look at Shaq and, um, and Divock and their goal involvement against them is superb. So... 
you know, maybe it's a bit of this horses for courses as well as the rotation. You know, you you pick in players that you think will, you know, particularly hurt that opponent. So yeah, he's definitely got better at it, though. That that is something like you mentioned, you know, from where, where we have moved on from, and certainly from his days as Dortmund manager, you know, trying to navigate a squad of about 14, 15 players. We, we're definitely smarter than that. Uh, than that, and we, you know, he's not killing players. So the second half of the season, we're completely because we don't have a winter break as well, right? He's wising up to that mm. as well because obviously that gave um, you know him a lot of respite in in Germany. We don't have that here. Yeah, but then again, German teams end up playing friendlies during the the winter break anyway to keep on top of that fitness. So yeah, I, I think the rot- the rotation is is definitely approved. It is key, and and it's again, it's that whole sports science thing, keeping on top of it. For you know all the players, making sure they're getting involvement. So when we are using them, they're not, uh, you know, they have got the match legs on. They, you know, they're not sort of coming into it, and and you know, even potentially picking up injuries because they're not just they're just not attuned to, to this level of performance that's required for ninety minutes. For sure, absolutely. Let's kind of discuss now. You know what? It's mad because it's one of those games where I thought everyone played really well, played their part. You can't, if you're sat there and you're trying to pick faults and holes in this performance, you're a proper negative Nancy, you know, just on the fact that we actually did really well. And, you know, I know the opposition wasn't great, but let's kind of talk about the goals. And Andy, I'm going to stick with you because literally Aki gets injured and within like a couple of minutes, um, Jordan Henderson just pings this sweet ball over to um, Oxley Chamberlain and just finishes it and pretty much gets the motion in action. Um, uh, talk to me about that because I felt like um, uh, th- that injury to Aki kind of um, changed how they were defensively kind of set up and their discipline. Yeah, they definitely missed him when he went off. Mm. Um, I've got to say, like the, the the first thirty minutes, we were totally in control of the game. Mm. We were attacking it. I mean, it was almost like a training session of attack v defence. Yeah, but I did feel like we were missing that extra dimension that that Trent does bring us on that side of the pitch. Of course. Although, yeah, Naby and, and Salah, they they were you know heavily involved in the game. They were linking up with each other. They were probing a lot. We weren't using the other side of the pitch quite so much. I felt like Bobby and Ox were were not you know, particularly well involved in the game at that stage. But yeah, then then it changes. And that, you know, that was a fantastic ball from Henderson, a lovely long diagonal pass, lovely run from Ox uh, and, and a nice finish as well. You know, he just did what he needed to do. It was all, you know, it was an air of simplicity about it. Um, and, and again, you know, we, we cut Everton apart with these, you know, suddenly changing the, the game, you know, drawing the opposition out, drawing them to one side and then switching the play, a direct ball through, attacking that space, opening the space and then attacking it. And it was, it's just a, such a simple thing, but we did it so effectively again. So it was very encouraging. And especially again, like I said, you know, Ox had not been involved a great deal and he doesn't always look as good when he's been playing in the front three, but lovely run, lovely diagonal run, lovely finish. And it was uh, another... Excellent goal. I mean, no, um, December's goal of the month competition is going to be a nightmare to pick. It's going to be a pod in itself, right? Uh, <laughs> you're going to have to have like a two-parter for all the goals that we score. Fingers crossed. And so far, they have all. Or just Sam, talk to me about that. Because again, this was another game of Liverpool's perfect passing and beautifully crafted goals. So talk to me about the first one. Henderson's ball was just magic. 
Yeah, as you said, I think we kind of took advantage of that Aki injury and, and saw an opportunity there. But also Henderson in this game very much took advantage of uh, so much time on the ball. I thought Bournemouth weren't really pressing very heavily and it gave him a lot more time to actually have a chance to pick those forward passes instead of, you know, quite often he, he does tend to play the safe option. So it, it just goes to show that Henderson, when he does get the time and space, he really has got the quality to to play those great passes. And, you know, it was a fantastic assist for him, fair play. But there was a heck of a lot left to do for Ox. And it, it was a lovely little finish on the volley as well. So um, what, one thing I've noticed as well is when we do have... Joe Gomez playing at right back, it, it really obviously does hamper our attack. So I do think in those games, it's absolutely vital that we have... I thought his passing was better than Napoli today, though. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not Trent yeah. Alexander-Arnold level, but I felt like he looked a little bit more comfortable. Again, it could have been the opposition, right? You know, that the level of opposition, Napoli are a completely different beast, especially yeah. when they play us, than Bournemouth. But to me, he did look a little bit more comfortable. Don't get me wrong, I don't want him there, but he didn't, I wasn't concerned for him. No, no, what I, what I was going to say was just that when he's there, obviously our attack is slightly affected. So I think it's vital that we have Ox playing in the midfield to actually break the line, mm. then either him and or Naby Keita, because we've lost that kind of attacking threat down the right. And he's obviously, you know, we know Trent is one of our main attacking threats. So when we do have Ox then in the middle, he can make those runs from deep like he did for the goal. Mm. And he's also a threat, you know, running past players. So I just think without without Trent, definitely need to have Ox playing. Absolutely. And then, of course, um, Andy, um, random, um, uh, this pod is a little bit everywhere. Of course, Trent does come on because of the Lovren injury, which means obviously Gomez is allowed to slot back to his natural position. And Trent just, I mean, he just looked so on it. I mean, I kind of get bored speaking about Trent in, in the, and I mean it in like, in the most complimentary way, in the sense that I know what I'm going to get from him. Yeah, this is this is a lad who's um, his confidence absolutely sky high. He's so far on top of his game at the moment. You you can see that there's just I thought there's just a different level to it. It really is. He's he's just so different to any other right back. It's certainly in the Premier League, probably around as well. You know what he offers. Uh, the the quality that he has on the ball it is it is quite phenomenal and and to think you know his tender age the the player he could become is it's quite frankly it's frightening and and if anything I think we're kind of lucky that he is a local lad because um, you know if say if he was South American I'm sure he'd be dreaming of playing for Real Madrid or Barcelona and they'd be coming knocking on our door with you know. A, a ridiculous offer for him. He's just such a fantastic player. Against Everton the other night, you know, he was not just up and down that right-hand side, crossing, cutting infield, going across the play. It's it's hard to find a word sometimes to describe just how good he is. And like I say, when you think of how good he could potentially become, because you think of the progress he's made over the past couple of years, it really is frightening. It is. Oh, live interruptions, live interruptions. Gags has just come in with an update. Penalty to United via VAR. I feel, I feel like Goldbridge, but, you know, not, not a care in the world. Let's see how this one pans out. It's hilarious. 
Um, apparently the ref missed it. VAR got it. Another shout for why VAR is so good. Hold your breath, Sammy, saying, ah, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know what? This is going to take forever. If it's going to be AR, I'm going to age like 10 years. I'm going to carry on the podcast. I'll keep you posted live action whilst we do podcasting. Sam, talk to me about the second goal because we, we spoke about Marcelan. He looked so lively today. And I think Yona picked up on something as well. The fact that the attack was pretty much um, still in fine form without, you know, the, the magnificent man inside Yomane. But I felt like Liverpool kind of eased into that game and although we looked in control, you know, we just got better and better and I felt like that was certainly the case with Mo Salah. I mean, he just wanted to do these cheeky back heels, he wanted to do it and then one did pay off and my God, what an absolute assist for Naby Keita and, you know, he absolutely loved it. Did you see the celebrations? Yeah, it was so brilliant to see him backfiring again. I think... He was desperate for a break. You could see he's been carrying this ankle knock for quite a while now. He's been dragging himself through the games. It's been something that you know, he's been. He needed that little break, and to have a game against Bournemouth, who are clearly, you know, loads of injured players, really struggling at the moment. It was the ideal for him to step, uh, ideal game for him to step into today. So, um, really, really good to see and. It, it's it's a perfect time for him to do it as well with that Salzburg game around the corner. Um, the goal itself, you know, Naby was trying these things throughout the game, playing these threaded balls through. And if he was playing it to feet like he did in this instance, he was running off them then and giving him a, a chance to actually play the ball through to him. But it was a you know gorgeous little back heel from Salah at the time. And a really calm and composed finish from him, actually. A little talk book just to put it away. So it's it's going to do both Salah and Keita the absolute world of good now going forward. And it's just really exciting going into this busy period, having those two players looking like they're really firing. Absolutely. And Andy, I'm going to come to you because, of course, there has been a lot of talk about Mo Salah and, you know, is he carrying a knock? Is he carrying a knock? I thought, you know, if anyone of the front three will get rested, it'll be him. Live update, Rashford scored. Right, let's just get that off. Let's let's carry on with the podcast. Um, Andy, uh, back to you. Talk to me about that because, of course, there's been a lot of talk about Mo Salah and I felt like this game, he looked like his usual self. Um, you know, he was constantly a menace in the box showing himself, you know, he had a fair few shots on target and um, a fair few shots on goal. He was trying everything he possibly could. Uh, but that back heel uh, to Naby Keita and you must have been so delighted to see the the, the man get on the score sheet there. Uh, yeah, well, definitely delighted. Uh, it was a sumptuous little back heel, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, obviously, yeah, they, they did give the, the ball away, but we were in that, uh, we were in them right areas to pick the, any loose pass up. Mm. You know, that it's, again, it's that whole structure and it is seamless, the whole structure of our pressing and where we position ourselves in cutting off, uh, cutting off the passing angles. You know, we, we're, set, we're setting the traps, we're ready to pounce. As soon as there's a loose pass or maybe, you know, a, a player that we are targeting to, to press and, and to win the ball off, you know, the, the trap is, is, is sprung. And, and this is the thing, you know, like you say, it's so seamless. You know, whoever plays in the team, we're so well set up, we're so well coached that we do this and the one loose pass Naby's on it and straight away we're on we're on the attack it's in the back the back heel it's just beautiful and and the little finish you know outside of the boot of all the things as well you know just to flick it into the back of the net that was that was definitely Leipzig Naby 
that finish and yeah it was very nice to see and and as I mentioned earlier I thought Salah had a really good game I thought he looked very lively throughout yeah he he has looked recently has always been carrying a bit of a knock you know he's had a few a few things on his ankle and he looked like he's kind of playing within himself a bit but today anything but you know he was looking for the ball he was getting into the areas he was involved all the time Early on, he had that shot that was uh, really well held on to by the goalkeeper, actually. Mm. And and he just looked really up for it, like he really fancied it. And, you know, he's got a good record against Bournemouth. And uh, nice for him to get in a goal and assist. Uh, and same for Naby. Yeah. And sticking, you know, with, with you, Andy, let's talk about Naby Keita's ball there. I mean, what an absolutely stunning ball, just straight cut through two defenders, I believe. And then... Um, uh, Mosala just on it like he always is. I mean, the vision and the accuracy and just the intelligence. Yeah, it, it was a Sadio Mane-esque pass, shall we say. Because <laughs> uh, I tell you what, those, those Sadio Mane assists against Everton, they were Oof. breathtaking. They were yeah. something of beauty. That was peak number 10. However you you want to put it, that was your number 10 creating. Mm. Uh, and Marnie, that was fabulous. And it was, and Naby, you know, it was filling the boots of his mate there. Uh, it, I just, what, not just from that goal, I mean, that pass, beautiful, the vision, the execution, and the simplicity of the finish from Mo, superb. But I think what really, you know, uh, you know, fills my heart with encouragement is that how well Mo and Naby linked up today and, and how mm. they had that understanding with each other and where to be and looking for each other all the time. And we already know that Naby has that same understanding with Sadio that they're looking for each other. So suddenly we've now got Naby Keda with this great understanding with two of our front three. So if we just click with Bobby as well, you know, it's... Oh, it... <laughs> The possibilities are endless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Salivating at the prospect. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a beautiful goal, very, very well executed. And and the thing was as well is, is Salah absolutely deserved that goal today. So it was, it was nice for him to get back on the score sheet, and make, you know him to play well, look happy, look lively, and and you know back to being the the more Salah that we uh, we know and love. Absolutely. And Sam, I'm going to come to you because I, I, I like the fact that, you know, Andy just said that, you know, um, uh, the, the how impressed he was that Naby Keita just kind of fitted in so seamlessly and, you know, was um, able to kind of facilitate and help um, Mo Salah and vice versa. I mean, it, it's just nice that the midfielders are chipping in with the assists now as well this season. Again, that's something very different as well. So I'll let you have the floor on this one and talk to me about that goal because I thought that pass was, again, just a wonderful pass. All th- all three assists were really good, in my opinion. Really good. Yeah, the, these last two games have really given me a bit more faith in our squad um, and really nice to see that, you know, usually when we're dropping players in who haven't played for a while, they're actually taking a few games to actually get their rhythm and, and play well and they can struggle initially but you know based on the last two games we, we've had Shakiri and Origi just popping in and play brilliantly Lalana was alright uh, decent as well and then today now obviously Naby Keita just slotted in and pulled out an excellent performance and you know as you said that assist for the Salah goal was 
basically his his bread and butter. That's his trademark. It's something that he's known for is kind of carrying the ball and then timing the ball through to perfection, which just meant that it, it made it easy for Salah just to get the goal. So, um, you know, more of that, please. I've been desperate for Naby now to be starting more often in this team. And he's been very, very unlucky with injuries. Um, you know, a lot of people on Twitter, I can absolutely guarantee you, will have been slating him today because he did give the ball away twice, I think, which led to not very good counter-attacks from Bournemouth. But, you know, he gave them away quite sloppily twice. Adventist players will do that, though, right? You well, know, they, well, they'll exactly. try, yeah. Exactly. He's trying things. He's trying things. And it's actually resulting in a lot of chances for us going forward. You've just got to take the fact that it's it's going to lead to the odd mistake going backwards. It's a bit like the way we play in general. You know, we play from the back with the goalkeeper. We play from the back with the defenders. Now and again, you'll get caught out. So, you know, for me, it just fits in perfectly with the way we play as a team. And having him in there, it just it just makes it that much harder for the opposition to defend. Because when, you know, what we found sometimes is when they really defend deep and, and double up on the uh, on Robbo and Trent, um, we can struggle to attack. So having boys like him and Ox in there firing like they are, it, it's just a huge weapon and it's just making us unstoppable at the moment. Absolutely. Could not agree more. It is great stuff indeed. I love the fact that Nabi Keita is giving everyone wrong because I hate the fact that people are kind of, you know, almost giving up on his career despite it being absolutely riddled and plagued with injuries and so lucky and he does really well and then he gets injured. You know, touch wood, he stays fit and healthy. As things stand, it is 2-0 to Man United. Apparently Martial has scored an absolutely wonderful goal. I'm giving you live updates and um, this could mean absolutely nothing come tomorrow, but fingers crossed it does. I have a question for you guys and um you know how we always buy used to buy players from Southampton and um Bournemouth have been pretty much doing the same for us. I have a question from um the Nina Kaza Show Instagram page is from a, a follower called Omar underscore Kit. And he wants to know is, um, well, his thought is one of our biggest unsung heroes is our scouting team. The money they got from selling young, ineffective players like Ibe and Solanke, then filling the roster with, you know, players that Liverpool actually need, like the likes of Shaq, Ox, Keita, you know, Origi, they've all made great contributions. I mean, talk to me about that. I mean, how bright, I mean, how bright have Liverpool been in terms of selling those players on for the amounts that they have? Uh, Andy, talk to me. Uh, let's not forget, we also sold Bournemouth, uh, uh, Brad Smith, for, what was it, £5 million? Oh, yeah. And, of course, Ryan, Ke- um, uh, our kid couldn't play today, right? Is it Wilson? Wilson, yeah, obviously because you can't know, yeah, yeah. play against parent club, yeah. <clears throat> and he's been doing really well there. He so, has been doing really well, so I was glad, you know, that, that one worked out for us. Yeah, I, look, th- this is the thing, is is over the past few years, is our club has become harmonious in, in every single way. I think Klopp, it seems to be like he was the, the, you know, the final piece of the jigsaw. He was the guy who knew how to glue everything together from the owners to the you know to the coach to the uh, the transfer committee stroke, uh, you know scouting team, to the to the manager the the coaching staff the players and the fans as well. That's a big thing as well. Everything is now connecting really really well, and a good scouting department is is vital to any club. You know we can all any club can spend money and, you know you look at United who spent fortunes. 
and they've not progressed. They've gone backwards. Look at Everton under Mashiri. They've spent, is it something like close to £500 million? And they're fighting relegation. So, you know, anyone can spend money, but you've got to spend it well. And we, you know, we're willing to spend big on certain players. We've proved that. But we've also gone out and signed players on relatively bargain fees. But not only that, we're getting good players for a good price. Uh, And, you know, it just... So much good work done, so much groundwork. The right kind of player for us that suits us. All of these things, you know, ticking all those boxes. And everybody's got to be involved in that. You know, from the scouts to the owners and the management team, they're all involved in that. Quite clear, you know, very, very clear idea of the type of player that they want and all of their attributes and their personality that fits the team, that fits the club. And, and again, it's this whole thing is connecting with the fan base as well. So it's, you know, there's a lot of work has got to go into it and it's signing the right player. But we're also making sure that we do sign them at the right price. And, and as you said as well, you know, is if they're not working out or s- some of the other players that we've maybe had here beforehand is, you know, we're doing very, very well. Michael Edge has done a fantastic job in getting as much as we possibly can for players that we've decided to move on. So, yeah, it's... It's just, it's such a, it's it's almost it's still something I'm getting used to that Liverpool Football Club is being run very well, top to bottom, and we were doing lots of good things very very well. We we just we're just a well-run football club, and it and it is absolutely joyous. You just want someone to wake you up, right? Like get up. It was just <laughs> yeah. a good dream. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, I've lived, <laughs> yeah, I've lived through. Um, what is this now? We're 25 plus years of <laughs> misery at times, heartache at times, you know, ups, downs, roller coasters. Yeah. Where we've had a great team, but terrible owners, you know, so much division. Mm. And, you know, we, or we've, you know, we've had terrible, we've had a terrible manager. We've had some terrible players. You know, it, it's been fractious. It's been divided. It's been hit and miss. But now everything is kind of coming together. We're all pointing in the same direction. Yeah, it's not perfect. And ideally, we've still got a few players that we do need to move on and we'll need to replace with better players. But I guess you never really have the perfect squad and the perfect team. And, you know, Klopp still makes some mistakes as we'd see it. And, you know, it's human. It's all part and parcel of it. And it's all part and parcel of, you know, this emotional roller coaster that Klopp takes you on. But the, the great thing is, is that, you know, the, the club does feel like it's it's one. We're all working in the same direction. We're all pushing towards the same thing. Mm. And it is and it is fantastic to see that this is our football club being run so well top to bottom. Absolutely. I think that's the one pleasing thing that I kind of noticed was, uh, you know, Jürgen Klopp taking that team that he had, Sam, to two finals in his first season and then just trimming away the fat and the dead wood and, you know, uh, you know, selling and, you know, just shipping off players and you know players even the youngsters that he thought well okay you don't really have a future here you can go off to Bournemouth and you know our scouting team just kind of making the most out of the money there so talk to me about that let you have a final say on that and then we'll move on to man of the match yeah well you know it's it's not an easy thing to recover from losing two finals you've seen other teams like Spurs fall off a cliff once they've lost a, a final, big final like that. Uh, you've seen us previously challenge for the league and then completely drop off a cliff the next season. Yeah. So that would have been that would have been a massive challenge. But the difference is we've got the structure in place. As Andy said, we are absolutely elite 
in every element of the club at the moment. Um, we've got the absolute best data analysts in world football. Uh, I, I hear Trev Downey saying we, we were literally getting rocket scientists in these days uh, to analyse data. We're getting the most intelligent people you possibly can. And our hit ratio with signings now is unbelievable. I can't remember the last time we, we signed a player that wasn't a success. And if the player is just, you know, okay, we're still making a massive profit on that player. So even the ones that don't necessarily go on to start every game, we're making money on them as well. And that just gives us more money then to make sure we buy the, you know, the Van Dykes and the Allisons of this world. So it, it's incredible what we're seeing at the moment. I just, as Andy said, kind of feel like I need to pinch myself. I, you're waiting for it to go wrong because it's going so well at the moment and we, we're not used to this. But, you know, all the evidence at the moment just points to us continuing the run that we're on because everything is set up so well. So, yeah, really, really looking forward now to the second half of the season. Bring it on. Right, guys. Um, I don't, I don't think there's much to talk about that game. I just think the Reds were just in cruise control. It was so easy. We could have played Pickford in Nets. You know, that's how easy it was. So, I mean, have you got any final thoughts of the game? Um, Sam, I'll come to you first. Any anything you want to get off your chest? Uh, not, not, not really. It was just the procession, wasn't it? Uh, from from the off, as soon as we got that first goal, especially, we just knew that that game was in the bag. So, um, yeah, just another a, a nice routine win, something that we haven't had the pleasure of having for a long time. It feels it. Uh, apart from obviously the the Everton game, but again we conceded two go- two goals in that game, so um, it was something we were really desperate to have. We've got it in the bag now. Nice easy game, and just on to Salzburg. Absolutely. What about you, Andy? Any final thoughts from that game, and then I'll get your man of the match out. Uh, yeah, not too much to really say. Is that it, it was it was the the game that we've been looking for for a while, where. It was a comprehensive performance. It it was it was absolutely routine, as Sam said. You know, three nil probably doesn't do it justice. It, it was a very very comfortable exercise, and, and and it was it was nice. It was exactly what we needed. Um, perfect opponent for us. Great performance. Uh, or you know, it, we did what we needed to do, and that was the thing. It it wasn't quite the highs of um, of the the midweek um, game against Everton. But it was exactly what we needed ahead of uh, an important game on Tuesday night. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of need that winning edge that, hey, we can actually just completely dislodge a team. I know we're not, we don't need to win that game, but absolutely should not lose that game. So um, hopefully that is the right sort of um, tone that we set for that game. Andy, whilst I'm with you, I might as well get your man of the match out. Um, there's no point trying to be coy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely has to be Naby Keita, I thought, like I said earlier. He thought he was fantastic. He, he just ran the show. He absolutely ran that show. Um, so many plus points for him all over the pitch. And, yeah, goal and assist and a great performance. He, he was the conductor for our orchestra today. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. What about you, Sam? Yeah, um, I want to give a bit of a mention just uh, for Jordan Henderson thinking that, you know, mm-hmm. when he wasn't under pressure today, he did show his quality and played some lovely 
forward passes today. So I just wanted to, you know, give him a bit of a mention. But I, I'm sure. totally with totally with Andy. Uh, man of the match for me today is Naby Keita. He brings something, an X factor to this team that can just really take us to the next level when it comes to attack. Uh, brilliant to see him back today. Brilliant to see him get those 90 minutes under his belt. Uh, just hoping, you know, he, he's going to be okay now to to maybe go again against Salzburg and, you know, get us through to the Champions League uh, knockout stages. Well, it looks like Naby has nabbed the Man of the Match award. No complaints here. Absolutely, I agree with everything what the lads have said. Guys, we have pretty much come to the end of this Nina Casa show. Um, I'm going to just quickly get some plugs and then we will wrap this up. Andy, busy guy, come on. Yeah, always busy. Uh, there's a red review. It's out at the moment. Uh, looking back on November, <clears throat> we had a few nice goals to talk about. We also uh, took our time to go through all of the games in December. There's uh, man and guys head-to-head predictions in there, which is always a bit of fun. And the either-or game, it was Guy's turn to ask the questions this term. And he went with um, some garish second and third kits that we've had. So, yeah, try that one out. Have a listen to that one. It, it, was, um, it, it was good fun as ever and a bit of festive spirit. And I'll, uh, I'll leave Sam to talk about the Champions League preview podcast. Absolutely. And to follow Andy, you can follow him on Twitter at Andy Armchair. Do give him a follow. He is an excellent red, well worth your time, space and your newsfeed. Sam, plugs and where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, well, if you're not fed up of listening to me and Andy talk yet, uh, you can have another chance to do that tomorrow. You have another chance to do that tomorrow. Uh, As you said, the Champions League preview pod is going to be out. Um, as you know, it was recorded before the game today, so there'll be some uh, mystic uh, predictions put in there that'll impress you. But uh, yeah, if you want to give that a listen, uh, it'll be a good build-up for you before that massive game on Tuesday. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, my handle is at Sambo Evans. Wonderful, wonderful. For my part, just keep it locked on AI, AI Pro back with my Euro Incision podcast as well fingers crossed if you're on Instagram do check me out I have my own little page there where I post daily videos um, uh, do check that out um, the handle is the uh, my username sorry is the Nina Kauser do check that out on Twitter I'm at Nina Kauser if you want to follow me on Twitter I'd appreciate it once again a massive thank you to our callers um, who have been absolutely amazing. Ardi, Dell, and Yona, really appreciate your input. Gags as well for coming in, in and out. A massive thank you to all our live callers as well, who live subscribers who joined us live to listen in. Really appreciate you guys as well and you know your input in, into the chat box. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Let's make this a routine thing. I want to have an easy time doing these shows. I want the title, fingers crossed, wrapped up by late Feb, early March, if that is possible. I don't want no squeaky bum time. But guys, thank you so much for listening. Till next time, up the Reds. Podcast Network.